Let's read Genesis 18, and I am aiming for the end of that chapter. Well, it's what I've given you. Sarah's laughing. But let's begin from verse 1. Then Yahweh appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he, that's Abraham, he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing nearby. One is Yahweh, two are the angels. He saw, and he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth, and he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and let me bring a piece of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass on. Since in such a manner you have passed by your servant. And they said, So you shall do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Hurry, prepare three shears of fine flour, that's five gallons of it, Knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to his young man, and he hurried to prepare it. Then he took cards and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree, and they ate. Notice how now still it is all they. Verse 9, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There. Behold, in the tent. And he said, Now it's singular. I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And Yahweh said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a son when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? At the appointed time I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, No, but you did laugh. Amen. I was aiming for verse 15, how he, Yahweh, reaffirms that she laughed and she lied about it. But as I was preparing it, it just expanded and I will present to you 
something about laugh here. There's a lot of laughing going on. And as you have seen, we are reading from Legacy Standard Version, and it is very, very helpful. It is a good translation, as I could see. Consistent, and you will see a lot more as you read from that. If you have your Bibles, if you have LSB uh, apps or something like that, you could have your Bibles open to Genesis 17. If you don't, you could just listen. But if you have any kind of app, uh, whatever version that you have Bibles, it will be good for you to have something next to you. Sarah laughed and she was rebuked, as you could see. But in my Bible, I was able to see in chapter 17, Abraham did the same thing. But he was not rebuked. Huh. So that's what got me thinking. In Genesis 12, God calls Abram. In Genesis 15, there is that covenant making. The flaming torch passes through the split animals, as you know. But what you see in those chapters is that the promise of God is already given, given in Genesis 12. But it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. What could be in one sentence in Genesis 12? By the time Genesis 15, God gives little more. And Abram grows spiritually through those chapters. And when you come to Genesis 17, we read 18, but Genesis 17 is the full disclosure of Abrahamic covenant. There's a lot going on in Genesis 17. And let me just remind you, for the sake of context, what God does and what God says in Genesis 17. First of all, manner of God's appearing is different. Genesis 15, the word of Yahweh came to Abram in a vision. But when you come to 17 verse 1, when he was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said to him. So Genesis 15 was a vision. The word of Yahweh came. But Genesis 17, it is not simply the vision, but Yahweh appeared to Abram. In what fashion? We don't know. But the manner of God's appearing is different in Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 5, another thing happens. The name changes. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So God appears. His name is changed from Abram to Abraham. What else happens in Genesis 17? Verse 10 and 11. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. LSB translates the seed consistently in singular. And ASB or ESB will translate that into descendants, plural. No, the word is the seed in singular. So when you read that, you are constantly remembering the seed of woman. That's what is happening. Every male among you shall be circumcised. 
So Genesis 17, God appears. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, reaffirms the same covenant that he made in Genesis 15. He gives the covenant sign. Now every male shall be circumcised. Covenant sign is given. What else, what else happens in Genesis 17? His wife's name is changed. As for Sarah, your wife, you shall call her name, not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, Sarah, shall be her name. Not only that, there's one more, another big disclosure, that the promised seed is now given his name. So verse 19 says, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Just like Jesus' narrative. You shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. So, just to give you a background, before you look at Genesis 18, Genesis 17 is a turning point. It is a turning point for Abram's life, obviously. A lot changes for him. His life, promise of son, his name is given, Sarah's life, uh, the name is changed. So it involves his life. So, yes, for sure it is turning point for his life, but Genesis 17 is a turning point for human history. What began as the first promise of the gospel in Genesis 3.15, the seed. Now the seed is given a, 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 a family through which that the seed of a woman will come. Abram is chosen. The covenant is made with him and his seed, Isaac and his seed. So for the redemptive history, really the gospel is taking its shape. In Genesis 17. But in the midst of Genesis 17, I've told you that is a lot going on in Genesis 17. What is Abram's reaction? God appears, his name is changed, circumcision is commanded as covenant sign, his wife's name is changed, Isaac, the name is given. In the midst of all that grand Actions and promises and words of God in Genesis 17. What did he do? What did he do? Genesis 17, 17. This is what the Bible says. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a son? So Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. And I checked that laughter. It is the same word as what Sarah does in Genesis 18. She laughs as well. And he said, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. How could that be? I'm 99. My wife, 90. 
how? It's not, it's not going to happen. And that's how he laughed. It just shows human frailty. Slowness of our hearts. And we all understand. It's too good to be true. When you hear something like that, we, we laugh. God was not offended by it in Genesis 17. It was benign and innocent enough, and God knew that he, he was but a human. So after laughing, if you were God, what would you do to Abraham? A serious moment. God is revealing a lot of the gospel content, and that person is laughing in his heart. What would you do? Wouldn't you be offended? You are seriously talking to that person and he's laughing. But God was patient. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. How patient. How long-suffering is our God. Uh, We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Abraham, in the midst of it all, he laughed And God was patient with him. Now we are going to talk about Sarah's laugh. But because I have the church in mind, we could see from chapter 18, verses 1 and following, the portrait of a servant of God. How Abraham reacted to these three men. And through this, we could see ourselves. You and I, we serve God. But let's see. First thing, first thing that we notice about Abraham's action is, first of all, he has, his, he has keen eyes, eyes of faith. He was able to see something is different about these. So then Yahweh appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing nearby. He saw and he ran. So first thing is that he was able to notice something about these three. Second thing that we notice is that he is hospitable. That was his character and that was his lifestyle. And this gets commendation from Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Obviously referring to Abraham. Third thing that we notice about Abraham is his quick to action. That has been his character from the beginning. When God called him in Genesis 12, Go forth from your land. Verse 4 says, So Abram went forth. That's Abraham. If you ask what kind of person he was, man of God, when God speaks, he does. And here too, his character is shown. Because in verse 2, when he saw, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He ran. How old is he? 99 years old. He ran, and he bowed. Verse 6, So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah, and he said, Hurry! 
prepare and make bread. And what did he do? He also ran to the heart and he picked, he picked a choice calf himself and gave it to the young man. And that young man, he hurried to prepare it. I mean, I just love it. He is obedient. He's quick to serve. And what did he do while they ate? Verse 8. And he was standing by them under the tree and they ate. Like a servant. By this time he's 99 and he's a rich man. He has hundreds of people living in his village. Working for him. And he's a dignified man. He's the boss. He's the top guy in his clan. But what does he do? Probably was here the other day. Nobody was around. But he's the man running back and forth serving these three strangers. And I think, before we look at Sarah's laughter, I think that really tells us a portrait of a servant of God. And we are in January and we have to ask ourselves, is that a picture of yourself? Do you have eyes of faith, keen eyes to see the need of the church? Do you obey at once? Do you run to the place, spot, what is lacking in our ministry? Do you run to your brothers and sisters when they are in need? Do you take a form of a servant tending three men? He could have said, young men, come and serve them. I am 99 years old. What a wonderful picture of God's servant. I hope and pray that all of you, all of us, could grow into that picture. Genesis 17, he laughed. But yet he is doing all of that. Genesis 22, he goes to sacrifice his son. So he's an imperfect man, Abraham. And all the chapters are written about Abraham. And when you notice that, it is when God appeared to him. That's all, all the chapters and all the chapters of that Genesis. It is not about how Abraham lived his life. But each and every time God appears to him, something happens. Something dramatic happens. And each and every time you and I see Abraham growing. Abraham, Genesis 12, is different from Genesis 15, Abraham. Genesis 15 to 17, he grows. Genesis 17 to 18, he grows. From Genesis 18 to 22, he grows. There's an upward trajectory for a man that is growing, and that should be the picture for all of you. 2023 should be different from 2022. You and I should quick to serve God. Now, with all that background, let's turn to Sarah. As I was reading some of the early chapters of Genesis, I thought about doing series on the ladies, women of early chapters of Genesis. Sarah, do you like Sarah? Do you know something about Sarah? The uh, Bible does not portray her 
in a good way. That's my impression. But look at verse 9 with me. These three, they ate. Verse 9, who's talking? It is they. Still it is plural. They said to him. What did they say? Where is Sarah, your wife? Where is Sarah? And he said, there, that means behold, in the tent. And as you know, she's listening. So where is Sarah, your wife? Is, um, we, we need to talk about it briefly. How would you interpret that? It all depends with what tone this was spoken. If they said, they're eating and they're done, they said, where is Sarah, your wife? How come you are serving us? Where is your wife? If they spoke in that tone, that is a rebuke. But if they spoke, they, they, spoken in this sense, in this way, where is Sarah, your wife? I want to see her. Then you could interpret that in a positive way. I think it's a bit of both, because where is Sarah? Where, where, where in Genesis? You are immediately thinking about Genesis 3. After they sin, where are you? God does not need that information. But where are you? Genesis 4. God spoke to Spear. Where is your brother Vapor? Remember, so when God twice in Genesis 3 and 4, it is in the negatives. Something bad had happened. So God asked, where is, where are you? Where is your brother Abel? Hebel, that's vapor. And here too, one of them is not even an angel of the Lord. This is Yahweh. Two are angels. And where is Sarah, your wife? I hear rebuke, implied rebuke. But also, we could simply say, because what follows afterwards in that, in verse 10, maybe he, the angel, two angels, and Yahweh, they wanted to make sure that Sarah will hear the word of God herself. Because remember, in the garden, the woman didn't remember it correctly. Do not even touch it. She added it. She did not remember it clearly. So maybe to make sure that they wanted to speak the same covenant language, covenant blessings and promises that God had spoken to Abraham in Genesis 17. Maybe they also wanted to make sure that Sarah, the mother of all nations, will hear it and remember it correctly. I think really it is kind of both. And look at verse 11. There is commentary by the author. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. It's a fact. It's an objective truth that they are old, they passed the age of childbearing, so it is naturally speaking, it is impossible. Verse 11 is providing that natural commentary on the present situation for the couple. And Sarah, basically thinking the same way 
Verse 12, and Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out, basically repeating verse 11. She is thinking about the facts. Look at myself. Look at my husband. We are old. How can we? How can we have a baby? Verse 11 said, they are old. Sarah left herself saying, so that's her reasoning. And as we have been saying, it really just reminds us of those 12 spies, 10 spies. They bring back the news, bring back the facts without adding faith. And it is clear to me what is happening here is Sarah is thinking like a flesh. It is fact, it is that it is fact that she's old, past the childbearing age, but already God had promised to him and his wife in 17 that they will have a son. Even the name is given. We trust that Abraham talked to her about all that God has revealed to him in Genesis 17. But by Genesis 18, when you read this, Sarah is faithless. Sarah is acting like a non-believer. And vast majority of Christians, we settle with the facts. We settle with the budget, bank account, my ability, my resume, my experience, and we see God could only act in that way. I have 10, so God must be able to do only 10. But I don't think that's what this, this is intended that way. God expects more from Sarah, the mother of all nations. Yes, we catch up. We play catch up. God changed their name, but it is not immediate. So they grow into it. The way Sarah acts in Genesis 18 does not fit with her name. Just as if we call ourselves Christians and sons and daughters of God, and if you are acting just like verse 11, objective 11, verse 11, that's all we have, this is exactly what's going to happen. Then it doesn't fit with our identity. The great name that God has given us, Christians, great name change, Sarah, Abraham, it just doesn't fit. So unlike Genesis 17, that God just overlooked Abraham's laughter, his laugh, here God says something. Verse, look at verse 13. And Yahweh, now it changes from they to Yahweh. One of them, Yahweh. Yahweh said to Abraham, he is addressing Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, like a flash, he knows her reasoning. Shall I indeed bear a son when I'm sold? Why did she laugh? Sarah laughed because from her perspective, she's old. Yahweh is asking why. Because he's looking at the whole situation from his perspective. The gap is laughter. We could apply this directly to our church situation. 
Can the dry bones live? Can a church where in ten year period there was so much up and down in this church? Verse ten will say, as they say, they are too old. We could say, well, our budget is this. We have this amount of people, so that's exactly what's going to happen. But God may ask us, "Why did you laugh?" Verse fourteen is the corrective language. Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I will return to you, and at this time next year, Sarah will have a son. Let's do a few applications now. Good news is what? Good news is that God's will will stand despite the fact that both of Father of all nations and Mother of all nations were laughing at the time of receiving God's promises. Ultimately, it depended upon God's sovereign grace and His own faithfulness. That's the good news. He is long-suffering. Long-suffering. He is he's bearing with, with us. So what God has purposed will happen and it will be established. But the question really is, for us to join the great story of God's redemptive actions, even now. I hope none of you will be rebuked by God, laughing at God's promises, laughing at endeavors of the church. Let's try this, let's try that. Question really is whether you will sit down and laugh at God's promises, or will you, like Abraham, serve him and grow while serving him? That's the question. If the church is going to survive, it is going to survive, no matter whether you participate or not. But the question is for you, your personal blessing. And for that to happen, you need to get out of the tent and serve him and believe his promises. That's, that's the story here. Also, it occurred to me that this laughter consummates in Genesis 21 because what's the meaning of Isaac? Laughter. So she says this, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. The same word. 17, 18, 21 is the same Hebrew word. Everybody's laughing. 17, Abram's laughing because he couldn't believe what he was hearing. But God was okay with that. Genesis 18, Sarah, the mother of all nations, overhearing the word, laughed. But Yahweh, God, decided to intervene and correct her. 17, it was okay. But 18, God rebuked her. All scripture is God breathed. For what purpose? It is profitable for teaching and reproof. Correction and training in righteousness. 
So we could say there's a laughter because there's a lack of faith. There's a laughter of Sarah, but we all, we all understand true laughter comes from experiencing God's promises being fulfilled in our own lives. Because we do not have that, people, Christians, are fleshly. They try to find joy somewhere else. But the true satisfaction and joy and laughter will come as you witness and participate in the promises of God, in action, in faith, in your faithfulness, that God will use you to fulfill his promises. That is the greatest thing a mortal man can do. And I am calling all of you to think about that as we prepare and set out for 2023. I want everyone participating, coming out, prayer meetings, Women's group meeting. I've seen the picture yesterday. It's going well. What about men's group? What about Bible study? What about missions? What about evangelism? We have to do all of that. But just because there is need, I am not going to start. Unless our people take up that vision and ready to serve, there are hundreds of needs that I see and you see as well. But the question is, do we have men and women of faith who do not laugh at that, but will come out of their tent and will serve him with all that faithfulness that God has given you? That's the question. And by doing so, you have a chance to build up a church. You and I should live this year like this is our last year of our lives. There's no guarantee. You could actually die this year. God forbid. But you look back, 2022 and 23, your loved ones, they're not here with you. Your health, when could that fail? This year, 2023, you serve. You serve like this is your last year of your life. Like this is your last chance to serve his church. What is the same? That's the spirit that we need. I will end with one verse. I want you to turn there if you have your Bibles or app. That's Hebrews 11. Verse 11. There's a happy ending to this story. She was rebuked by the grace of God. There are two kinds of reactions, as you know. There are people who get angry when they're rebuked. And they say, you don't appreciate this. I drop everything and I go. What about Sarah? What do you think happened afterwards to Sarah? Here is an objective God's truth in Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself 
received ability to conceive. Did you hear that? We think about Isaac as just God's gift. Sarah was rebuked, God promised, so baby. But according to 11.11 Hebrews, something else had happened. Sarah, for lack of better words, activated her faith. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to take the seed. That's the translation. Even beyond the proper time of life, since why? Since she regarded him faithful who had promised. After Sarah was rebuked, it pierced her heart. She, she heard everything. Why did Sarah laugh? She said, I did not laugh. Well, you did. She was embarrassed. She was rebuked. She was humbled. But, happy ending. Sometime after, she regarded him faithful who had promised. She heard the promise again. So she thought about it, and the words of God, the word of God was planted in, it, in her heart. Instead of listening through her husband, she heard directly from the mouth of Yahweh. By this time next year, you will have a son. She will have a son. She thought about it, and she believed. And earlier, as you know, Genesis, God reckoned him to be, he, it to be a righteousness when he believed his promise. So I dare say, sometime Genesis, after that, Genesis 18 onward, Sarah was converted. I would say that. That was her salvation. Believing in God's promises on her own. It is not Abram, my husband's God. It's not what he told him, but it's what he talked about me. It involves me. It involves my name change. Oh man, I sinned. I need to grow up in my faith. So, she, by faith, she received ability to conceive since, because she regarded him faithful who had promised. God was able to give the gift of baby no matter what, because God promised. But it pleased God to use her faith to give her ability to conceive and gave that promise to her according to her faith. What a wonderful story that is. I hope and pray that it will be the same for all of us. Wherever we are in our stage of our life and faith, if you are able to hear, and if you have spent some time in the church recuperating, renewing your hearts and minds, maybe this is your time for you to step up and serve. Let us not stay within the tent. But let us hear God's word and let us go outside of tent and let us serve whatever's before us. And by faith, you and I will have the same ability to conceive because we will consider him who has spoken his words 
faithful. May that be true for all of you and for this church. May God bless you, all of you, because God wants you to grow. It's not at the expense of you that God will grow church and kingdom of God. God wants you. God wants you to grow. And for you to grow, you need to do that. You need to step out. You need to serve. May God bless this church. We don't know what's ahead of us. All I know is that God is faithful. And God has given the promise and the word. And God has given you. No one else is going to build this church up for us. No one else is going to do it for us. It is you. Every single one of you. And it is me. And what else? What else is there for us to live for? But for his kingdom and his glory. Let's pray.